back. It has been a really long like time. Like a goddamn month. Yep. An entire month. Oh, we're the worst. No, we're not the worst. This awful disease that tried to murder me is the uh, worst. So first there were the holidays. There was Christmas. Yes. And then I couldn't get my shit together. <laughs> Wait, that Oh, yeah, that's right. We did just kind of like... Uh, we just kind of like tapped out. It. We just really yeah. pled mercy on it. And then more holidays happened, and then pneumonia tried to murder you. Uh huh. You were coughing up blood, and it was horrible. Thick wads of gunk and blood. Ugh, so gross. It was great. Um, you're better now. Uh huh. I have You've my been voice on again. Medicine. Yeah, you lost your voice for a couple days, oh, which was so bad. That Wednesday was the day that you um. Just, you were coughing up blood and had lost your voice and decided to finally go to the doctor <laughs> like, after I like saw, a week. I sounded like this. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I thought it would be kind of funny if we had like a voice stand in for you that night. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, this is my associate, Carlos. He will be speaking for me. <laughs> but he, he speaks Spanish, though. <laughs> <laughs> he only speaks Spanish and he doesn't understand you. Oh, I like it. Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that, uh, there was no getting around that, but of course, like, January is attempting to kill everybody. Yeah, you're not the only one. I work at a pharmacy. Uh, Everyone has what you had. Everyone's been sick with either the sinus thing that turned into the chest thing or the stomach thing. Miraculously, I... I don't know how the hell you've gotten it I haven't gotten it. Usually I get sick every time a season changes. Like, I get a sinus infection every time because my brain just, my... Not my brain, but my body. My yeah, your nose, immune system doesn't know what to do. Yeah, my nose is broken. Not literally broken, but like I have bad sinuses anyways. I'm constantly stuffy. So January has so far uh, in, in my immediate uh, circle of friends and coworkers and everyone. It's it has gotten almost everyone. It has made a whole bunch of people sick. It has knocked my buddy down the stairs. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Um, People Aww, are dying. Poor Blaney. People are just like, like, I don't know what's happening. This is a very wicked beginning to 2019. We were all like, fuck 2018 and 2019's like, I heard that. The thing is, I've been saying it since uh, earlier this morning. 2019 <clears throat> is 2016 part four. Oh, Jesus That's all worst. it is. It just keeps marching um, forward. So... Yeah, everyone, everyone has gotten sick. What are yeah. you looking at? I'm watching the dog chew his ass, and I'm very angry with him. I I'm trying not to interrupt. I see you looking over me. I thought <laughs> there was a ghost. Bo, hey, stop doing that. I don't want to look at you doing that right now. Um, He's smiling. <laughs> He's always pleased with himself. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone in our friend group has been sick in some way or another. Everyone in my family, my brother came home to visit, mm -hmm. and... He flew home. Yeah. So I think he got it on the plane because, like, you're in a metal box close yeah. to other people and people are gross. So, of course, you get sick. Yeah, germs um, uh, spread really easily inside the plane. He got a stomach virus. And two days later, my mom got the stomach virus. And two days later, my stepdad got the stomach virus. Yeah. And two days later, I thought I had the stomach virus. But you just didn't. I didn't. Just, I don't know what was wrong. Just had a weird trip to wrong. the bathroom. <laughs> well... No, I felt like crap. Oh, like yeah. I was tired and sore and just like did not feel good. And I was nauseous mm -hmm. and I thought I was going to get sick multiple times and it never happened. Yeah. Like I took the day off work all prepared to be like shitting my brains out all sure. day because that's what everyone else did. And it never came to pass. Thank goodness. Because that is one <laughs> of the worst illnesses. Came to pass, you say. Yep. 
I did it on purpose. No, you um, didn't. I partly did. No, you did. Did you see that? All right. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you. I'll I'm give you a credit. smart cookie, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. I also want to point out that that intro seems very long when you're recoiling in horror. Oh, yeah. we, we They don't know this, but every what? single episode we listen to the theme song first. And we dance to it. And I we think we might have mentioned that. And uh, this time we just spent the whole time making faces like we were recoiling in well, disgust. what was it that you were I was going to like you I was going to drink this scalp relief uh, uh, liquid. Why is that down here? For the dog. To oh, keep him from chewing his down? butt, which is what he's doing right now again. Bo! Damn it! Stop! I'm getting concerned about the dog's itchy spots. <sighs> I know. We might need to take care of the. Just put a cone on a stupid soon. head. I have the cone. Yeah. I have the cone. He's so itchy. I feel like I should just put it on him, but he hates it so much. Yeah, you fall prey to those little doggy eyes. Oh, God. He just eyes. cries the whole time. So, do you, let's do a quick catch up because it's been a while. Um, so Christmas was good. <laughs> yeah, Christmas was good. Um, I wanted to mention one of my favorite gifts uh-huh. that I got was from you. Oh, okay. And it's a coloring book. I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> of dogs farting. Yeah, that was, uh, that's something I saw online that I couldn't pass it, up. <laughs> it is my favorite thing. It's so weird. It's like geometric shapes and stuff, so it's interesting to color. Kind of looks like sugar skull dogs. Yeah, every single one has an exposed anus yep. and a little puff Oof. coming out of it's it. It's just a little puff cloud. It's the weirdest thing, and I fucking love it. I started coloring in it the other night. Yeah. Um, It's so strange. I was spoiled this Christmas in yeah. a lot of ways by a lot of different people. Yeah. Um, I think we both were. So that was that was very nice, and we got to spend a lot of good quality time with family, too. It's hard to pick my favorite gift from you, but the one that keeps on giving is those beautiful pillows. Yes. So now we have a bajillion pillows <clears throat> on the bed. But these oh. ones are so good. One night in uh, an insomnia-fueled fugue state, <laughs> I was, uh, it was, it was peak mouse invasion. Yeah. And I was sleeping upstairs in a bedroom I don't normally sleep in that tends to be very warm, which does not agree with me. So I woke up in the middle of the night and I kept thinking I was hearing the mouse and I was like freaking out. I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, man, these pillows are so nice. And yeah. so I like turned the light on and looked at the pillow and started Google searching for this pillow. Yeah. And happened to find not the same one, but a very similar one um, for on sale for like eight bucks at Kohl's and ordered them in the middle of the night. It was like <laughs> three in the morning. I'm like ordering these pillows. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me right now? But you know, I, when you got to get comfy. Sometimes you got to order pillows at three in the morning. <laughs> I guess so. That's how that gift happened. So you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, we also had our uh, biggest and uh, best New Year's yet. <sighs> yes, this year. we did. That. What a glorious. I don't. It's not <sighs> even. I, I want to say shit show because that's what you no. call a big drunken thing. But, but it was nope, perfect. It was aces. There were no problems. We and were cleaned we, up by two. And we invited. A lot of new people this year yeah, that we didn't right. invite last year because some of them we didn't know last year. True. Um, we started playing D&D this year, and so we invited the D&D group people, mm-hmm. and we invited friends that we've known for years that just haven't made it to the party. Yep. Um, and some family, uh, some of my family, 
came out. And it was nice because my brother Randy was only home for a short period of time before going to Iowa because he's doing wrestling school. Yeah. And the three of us, you know, my two siblings and I, don't really get to be in the same place at the same time very often because yeah. we're busy and we're not always living in the same area. So it, we never get to do that. So all three of us were there. My mom was there. My stepdad was there. And I know she really appreciated that. And she got to see Aubrey's mom, Miss Tina, who was there. And yeah. my mom got to see a bunch of our friends, that some of whom she'd never met. Um, and everyone got along and had fun. And we were hosting the whole night, but we, I didn't really feel like we had to, like, prod people to have fun or have conversations. Like, everyone yeah. was talking to someone the whole time for the most part. So. One of the things about hosting a party that big is you... You, you do, just can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just you want everyone to get along and you also want to spend time with everybody and you can't spend as much time with everybody as you want to. The part that really made it difficult was just that we had so much seating to try to accommodate so many people that you really couldn't move around the basement that freely with everyone occupying seats and stuff. Yeah. So I didn't really get to like mingle as much as I wanted, but right. I was trying to like... I'd pop upstairs and see who was up there, and then I'd pop back down and make sure people had food yeah. and check in and introduce new people who walked in. And But what I was going to say about that is that it's <laughs> it's really cool when you kind of step back. At one point, I stepped back, and I surveyed the room, and I'm like, oh, this is all running fine no matter what I do. Yeah. Everyone's figured out what to do and what to eat and who to talk to and what they want to do. I have one major complaint. Oh, really? <laughs> too much food they did not eat enough oh food. yeah right <laughs> well we had too much we always have too we much. had like three main courses and so no one food. was even hungry <laughs> one thing i've learned i will try to internalize and yeah. remind myself and remind me when i want to make two pans of cheesy potatoes yeah only make one pan of cheesy potatoes i just yesterday threw out the remaining half of a pan of cheesy potatoes that were down here and i'm like nope just so much cheesy potatoes too they were many. really good but like well they're just too much yeah just too much um, we had so much of everything i got i was panicking that there wasn't gonna be enough beer i bought two cases oh, of beer i told you not to buy and, more and then i went out and bought two more cases of beer okay so this <laughs> is how it worked yeah we had gone shopping and we bought everything we needed for um, my cheesy potatoes, including it was like sour cream, I think. And we got home and we couldn't find the sour cream. I like we left the bag or something. It makes me so angry because it was a big tub of sour cream. Yeah, like we definitely bought it. I think it just got left behind. So I was like, You had asked me, like, I don't think I have enough beer. I think I should get enough beer. And I talked you down and I'm like, People know it's BYOB, they're bringing their own stuff. We have some beer. It's not going to be a big deal. There's going to be plenty of things. Like, you don't need to worry about it. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. The minute I fucking yep. leave to go get sour cream. I seize the opportunity to buy more beer. You seize the opportunity. And our friend Joe was visiting. Hi, yeah. Joe, if you're listening. Um, and you're like, I... I pull in and you guys are pulling in at the same time. Yeah. And I see you got more beer. And I just immediately look at Joe. I'm like, why didn't you talk him down from this? We did not need more. He's like, that's my job. <laughs> like, yeah. God damn it. it was yes. It's a great reaction too. When just, I'm not, not around, anyone else around needs to be the voice of reason. Yeah. Anxiety panic. It's well, it was, 
It was way too much. I thought we'd, I mean, I thought Here's the people thing, might though. come and maybe not bring something, so we should have something. We we drank one of four cases of beer. Here's the thing, though. Beer's not going to go bad here. No. It's already, most, it's already mostly that. gone now. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Like, I'm not that worried over having too much of something like that. It was just the fact that, like, you were needlessly getting anxious over things you didn't need to get anxious yeah. about. And I know you start to panic. That's the sort of wind that. into the party of like, oh, it's going to be in hours. What have I forgotten? Yeah. Uh, but it was super fun. It was great. It was so great, in fact, that we're going to do another one for St. Patty's because who wants to yeah. wait another year to have a great big rager again? Yeah. We're going to do a much more manageable size of party for yes, St. Patty's Day, though. Um, I have a lot of stuff on this list I'm not going to talk about, and I'm going to keep it. For future episodes, but I did want to mention I did something last night that I haven't done in a long time, which is I listened to music while I was doing my research because I like okay I have to order my thoughts. I can't have like voices talking in the background when yeah. I'm trying to do that. I get too distracted because I want to hear whatever podcasts I'm listening to. Right. So I a long time ago. Our friend Adrian, I don't know if she listens or not, but hi if you do, mm-hmm. um, asked me, she had come back home, she had been in France for a little bit, and she asked me to put together a list of music because she needed like fresh stuff to listen to to get her out of the mindset of where she'd been. And you know how that is. Yeah, right. So kind I was like, yeah, 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 like I can do that. And it was like a big compliment that she asked me to do that for her mm-hmm. and it's like oh you think i know good music <laughs> you don't know that i'm old and listen to the same <laughs> stuff i always yeah, have like, I and what am i listening, listening to, to things. same thing i was listening to 10 years ago <laughs> yeah so um i was inspired yesterday by like some actual new music chris brady actually shared some new music with me yeah and i had found another artist recently that i really like and so I started putting together this list and I still have Spotify. I still pay for it because I can't figure out how not to. Um, okay. It's a big, long thing. I'm I sure am it's logged not that hard in. To quit. Oh, it is because I'm logged in through <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. But, and that's how I signed up to pay for it because they had like a deal going. But if I log in on my phone, there's no option to manage it. I have to log in on their website and I've tried to log in on their actual website and I can't figure it out. Can't get to it. Anyway, I'm just going to have it for the rest of my life (laughs) and um, I'm just going to commit myself to using it. So I downloaded a bunch of albums and stuff that I was like, I should be listening to this because it's good and I need more music in my life too. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put music on in the background while I finish up this research. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really nice Yeah. to just have that going in the background. I really miss listening to music while I do shit. Yeah. I don't listen to a lot of music anymore. I know. It's a shame. I don't know. It's, it's you know I, what I, I don't find that many new things that I'm like blown <laughs> away by. Once in a while, I do want to show you a new I, person that I found. She's not new, but new to me, and I shared her with Chris Brady, too. Her name is LP. Okay. She has this song called Lost on You. There's, like, a live version on YouTube that it's, like, five minutes long. It is amazing. Her voice is so good. Yeah. And also, I'm, I've now listened to, like, a good portion of another album of hers. An inexplicably amazing whistle. 
Okay. A very strong controlled whistle, which I envy because I cannot whistle. It's good whistling. A good whistle. Okay. Good solid whistle. She does a lot of whistling, actually. It's a little strange, but she gets away with it because she's so good at it. And then I listened to Michelle Branch because she released an album in 2017 that's actually really good. Okay. So that's who I listened to while I was doing this research. Keep that in mind. Um, it doesn't, it, you don't have to, it doesn't lend itself to anything. Just know that that's what I was doing while preparing this research for you. Okay. I'll file that I away. Was, in I was the... talking to the people. Oh, okay. I mean, you can keep it in mind too. I was going to file it away in, I don't know what to do with this, but. I mean, that's where it belongs. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that mostly does it for catching up. Um, I think so. It's sorry it's taken us this long to get back to it, but it is nice to get back to it. We did the, you know, the we, me and the dudes did the dude cast last night, and that was a lot of fun. And it's fun to be doing this. This is like, I look forward to it. I really look forward to it. And uh, it was weird to spend so long away from podcasting. Um, it's just weird to, I don't know, to get do, out of your pattern. Yeah, to do something this much and then stop doing it. I just kind of felt like I was just floating at sea. I didn't know what to yeah. do. On the one hand, it's like it's a welcome break because I do I get overwhelmed and stressed and I always have so much going on. I don't know how to make that stop without yeah. stopping doing the things I love doing. Like I'm just going to be perpetually stressed and overwhelmed, I think. But yeah, it I also hated not doing it. Sure. At the same time, like I didn't really get. I was still overwhelmed and stressed not doing it. It didn't help to not do it. So yeah, like, right. Well, well, that's good to know. Yeah. I that was... no matter what, you're still overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. So just do it anyway. I was like, well, this doesn't make me happier to not have this added thing. No. So we'll keep um, at it. So why don't we get into <gasps> what it is time for, the thing that we do every episode. The news quiz? Our very special game. We like to call it trues and news. You need to tell me. You need to tell me why you wouldn't happen to mean. It's time for trues and news. Time to play trues and news. Everyone's playing. Everyone's playing a famous game. Famous game. The game that's taking the internet by storm. Merv Griffin production. Uh, dead air. I just went dead in the <laughs> eyes to freak you out. <laughs> um, all right, so, <clears throat> truth and news time. This is a game. It is a game we play every week. Uh, the purpose of this game, truth and news, is that I have two false stories, one true story, the uh, the trues, that is, and Christy's job is to determine what is the trues and what is the news, or the true news and the false news. Yes. Sound familiar? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a little rusty. It's almost like we've done this 64 times. Almost. Almost. And also exactly. Yes. Uh, You ready to play? Yes. All right. Wait. I'm guessing which one is real. Okay. Right? Yes. Okay. No, seriously, <laughs> just making sure I know. It has been a month. Oh, my God. I get anxious. This is, this should be, you should do this in your sleep now. I do. Okay. <laughs> I do. That's what I do when I sleep. <laughs> I buy pillows and I do this. I, 
cover myself in pillows uh, that I so, bought online. Sometimes and I, I sing the song Gypsy. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, so, story number one. A German Namibian artist has set up a sound installation called Toto Forever in an undisclosed location in the 1,200-mile-long Namib Desert, which will play Africa for all eternity. All right. That's number one. Number two, ghost hunters, in their reunion episode, two years after their cancellation, have promised to turn the scientific community's heads by offering proof they've made two-way contact with Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Number three, Northport, Maine's town mascot, the most gentlemanly lobster, Tommy Tamale, has died at age 83, causing the tourist town to enter a state of emergency and begin the nomination of a new mascot lobster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, recap. Okay, recap. Number one, a German Namibian artist has set up a sound installation called Toto Forever in an undisclosed location in the 1,200-mile-long Namib Desert, where it will play Africa for all eternity. Number two, ghost hunters, in their reunion episode two years after their cancellation, have promised to turn the scientific community's heads by offering proof they've made two-way contact with Edgar Allan Poe. Number three, Northport, Maine's town mascot, the most gentlemanly lobster, Tommy Tamale, has died at age 83, causing the tourist town to enter a state of emergency and begin the nomination of a new mascot lobster. Okay, well, let me write this down. <laughs> okay, what are, you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you jotting? I'm my... Um... My little blurbs, you know how I like to yes. give my... Yes, well, what'd you, what'd you call them? Because you always tell me what you called them. Yeah, I just want to... Okay. Um, the first one, Toto Forever for Eternity. Mm-hmm. That's not very funny. Second one is Ghost Hunters Offer to Prove a Giant Lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last one is Lobster Mascot Leaves Lobster-Shaped Hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best. That's I my really like that. Um, lobster shaped hole. <laughs> <laughs> lobster shaped hole in, in all the of town's our hearts. hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Dave, but I know the truth because I saw it on the internet. So you know that it's the lobster one. No, I know that it's Toto Forever because uh, you have to know that if no. it's Toto Africa related, I'm going to know about it, womp baby. Fucking womp. I'm sorry. That's not fun. I know, but I didn't know you were going to do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I think, actually, you can blame Chris Brady, because I think he shared it on Facebook, and that's how I saw it. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, I, like, kick him in the shin. I thought this was really recent news, like, as in, like, today. I think it might have been yesterday. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that's it. That's the truth. The I love this idea. I don't know if you saw You must have seen the picture. I didn't, like, read the full article, but it is, like... It's speakers in the desert. It's like right? six podiums that have like little speakers on top of them and like an iPod in the middle of it. And I think it must be solar powered or something. Yeah. And it's just going to sit there playing, playing Africa, Africa forever. Know what I saw once was like, you know, when you leave your car door open, it makes that ding sound. Yeah. You can change that sound. There's like a little box 
that has the sound programmed, you can pull it out and plug in another one. Okay. So someone got Toto by Africa in the, like the form that you need to plug in. And so now when his car door is open, it plays <laughs> Africa. A Toto by Africa. I keep doing that. It plays uh, Africa by Toto. That's uh that's weird. It's not like the full song. It's like a obviously like Yeah, like a little loop. Like in not it's not eight bit version, but it's like whatever the sound format is a a broken down version. It's just music and no yeah. vocals, but it plays Africa when That's he has impressive. his car open. It shows him doing it too. It's not I wouldn't say it would be like easy for anyone to do, but if you happen to have those skills already, it'd be really easy to do. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's I love that cool. song. Yeah, you know what? We've said it before on this podcast, but it really is timeless and good. It's just a good song. It's just a good song. <laughs> um, yeah, you got, so you got it. You got a little middle saggy? I do. Um, I wanted to talk about something with you that I didn't get a chance to talk with you about yet. Okay. But it, that is kind of of is it interest our to this show. Yes, we're getting divorced. It's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. First, we have to go get married. Yeah. I think that would be fine. We can go get married and then get a quick divorce. I mean, we can maybe even get an annulment at this point. <laughs> yeah, sure. We have to get married first, though. And then we get annulment. Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. If Britney can do it, I can. What? <laughs> if Britney Spears can do it, I can. Did she get an annulment? Yeah, like 15 years ago. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's like, it's fine. It's a really bad old reference. <laughs> the year is 2019. <laughs> and I'm still obsessed with Britney. Uh, it's Britney, bitch. <laughs> I like saying that all sassy. It's yeah. Britney, bitch. It is. It is Britney, bitch. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about what I did last, uh, uh, or on Monday. Because uh, I haven't got a chance to tell you about how it went, uh, but I went into oh yeah the uh, MCCTC where our friend Drew teaches, the local technical school, and I got a chance to spend a day teaching kids how to rate how to rate how to rate. That's not what I meant. How to create a podcast. You just left off the first letter. It's yeah, <laughs> how to create a podcast, which was actually a hell of a lot of fun. I am really jealous. I didn't get to be there with you. Mm. It was it was a very interesting experience. I haven't been obviously in a high school in a long time, and I don't think when we were in school that schools were as nice looking or as like developed as MCCTC. Is. Also, neither of us went to the technical school. So. Right, but like it's so much nicer, and like all the teachers have phones on their desks and stuff. There's all this stuff where I'm like, what? Um, the first thing that got me where I went, oh whoa, I forgot about this was having to stand and do the pledge at like eight o'clock in the morning yeah they're still doing that mm-hmm. you don't even, even think though that. this country's a shit show <laughs> you, they, you don't even think about it but it's like that's i forgot about the pledge do they still do the like the little tv program at the no, beginning of the day they did not have it as a video program but they had morning announcements over the the sort of sound oh, system okay. um so the day starts at like 7.50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then around 8, there's announcements in the middle of first period. And then the thing out there is all the classes are so quick. They're like 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. They go so fast. Um, and they have like 10 periods during the day out there. Mm-hmm. So it just it just flies by like that's it. I, I was kind of like struck how how little time you have with every single class to teach. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, so what it, it it was a lot of fun. Like I there the first part of the day was teaching the seniors <clears throat> who were a little bit more interested, I think, and a little bit more invested. They just because they're they're just they're that older. little bit older. Yeah. So they're just that little bit more able to like sit still and they're pay attention. Almost adults. Yeah. And I feel like anything podcasting is something that you legitimately can do on your own. Yeah. And it's like something you can have as an actual hobby. And I think that's a lot more appealing to someone who's like almost out of high school and about to be on their own. Cause it's something that might be feasible for them to have as yeah. a hobby and like not be dependent on other people to provide equipment and stuff. Like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I feel like if I was a senior in high school and someone was like, Hey, this is a thing you could do. I'm going to show you how to do this in a, away for this project you're doing but yeah. i'd be really interested in that because i'd be like oh fuck i could do that yeah I, I mean that's one thing i wanted to try and impress on them is like yes this <laughs> is for school but this is a thing you can do just for fun like this is a thing you can get some friends together and do like i i did not mention to them the podcast that i do yeah because i didn't want them <laughs> to tune into this and then just hear something just crude or whatever yeah and then, not and then, as not as much this one as your other podcast definitely not that one no if they listen to that one i would be done yeah i'm not worried about <laughs> 17 year olds listen to this podcast yeah um yeah exactly it's it's not yeah it's not the same thing but still it would be just an issue for then because then they then they harass their teacher about it because the thing is yeah. they, they find out little things and then they just harass their teacher about it yeah so and i kept that their teachers are friends so right um, so the seniors were a little bit more interested. The juniors were a little bit less so. They were, I mean, they're just, you know, just like that bit Juniors more. suck. I mean, that year <laughs> just is horrible. It's not a good you, year. You have senioritis, but you're not allowed to yet. Mm -hmm. You're just done, but you can't be. You're not fueled by the excitement of almost being done like you are when you're a senior. Yeah, right. Exactly. You don't have that thing where you realize you're at the top of the heap and you kind of have to like straighten your, your, you know, your neck and stand, stand up straight. You're like, you're... You're at the peak as a yeah. senior. There's a comfort that comes with that. Also, when I was a senior, I think a lot of the teachers know you're just, like, ready to be done. So they already start to kind of teach you or treat you like an adult. Yeah, definitely. And they kind of cut you some slack because they're like, this doesn't matter. You're, like, done. <laughs> <laughs> I um, definitely – there was one class my senior year. It was, like – we were done learning. We were done being created. It was the last, like, few days of class. Yeah. We printed out the lyrics to a meatloaf song and we went to the class next door, cut the lights, and acapella serenaded the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole okay. song. Okay. Like that's what we did Weird that day. Weird kids. That's what Weird. we did that day. It was an AP lit class. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, and there was a kid in the class that was like, excuse me. We're reading. And I'm like, dude, this is the coolest fucking thing that's going to happen to you today. <laughs> Just like shut up and appreciate the weirdness that strangers came into your classroom and serenaded your teacher with meatloaf. This is a story you get to have for a while. Just yeah. enjoy it. Don't be a, a little Just for shit. The, Just You're for the not story. actually reading. I saw your phone, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, that was it was really interesting. One thing I... I know that Drew has mentioned before how funny some of her students are, but I was not prepared for how funny they are. Yeah. Um, 
there were some they were talking some of the kids were talking about what they like what they were going to do with their podcast and they were they were spitballing ideas and a couple of the kids had this idea they were going to do something about the macroverse and then they're like the macroverse is just a mac and cheese place <laughs> called the macroverse and they were just getting weird with it they had all yeah. these silly ideas i heard i two, like that i heard one kid say to another kid you know what we should do today we should go to bruno brothers get a pepperoni roll and then post it on our story <laughs> Man, Just, exciting. That was exciting. I know. Exciting I, lives. That was so damn funny to hear that. I didn't even know what to do with it. I'm like, that's what their lives are like right now. Let, let's just go get we're not gonna eat that pepperoni <laughs> roll put it on we're just story. gonna put it on our story uh i heard so many silly things uh they were so much fun and they were so gracious too they were yeah. really yeah they were really That's gracious really nice i was afraid i was gonna get bullied for some <laughs> you reason were, which is weird because you know i'm over 30 now that's probably not gonna happen yeah also you're the authority figure in this situation yeah. as weird as that is to you and also, I'm the guy that is keeping them from, like, having to do something else oh, for 20 minutes. A real work day in yeah. class? <laughs> yeah, which kids really appreciate. <laughs> the 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 the, the, the uh, project that they're working on is they just listened to season one of Limetown, which is a, a fictional podcast. And their job is to make the first episode of season two, even though there's a season two out already. Mm-hmm. They get to make basically the next episode, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, oh, gosh, I forget, forget where I was going with that. You're just saying, you know, what they're. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I had something to say about that. But, but yeah, they all, so they all had to come up with creative ideas, you know, and, um, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a thing that can be a lot of fun if they let it, you know, or it could be a super drag too. And you're Um, just there to show them the actual way they can do it. Yeah. Just Just the mechanics of it. The mechanics of it for the project. But the creativity thing, that is like a super fun project. Um, it's a lot easier than some of the projects we had to do in high school. Like we had to make, for example, a video with people, which is so much more involved yeah. and so much harder. Man, I got to get my hands on the Aeneix. Yeah, the Aeneix is out there. You got to find it. It was the Matrix-themed Aeneid project that we did for Latin class. I yeah. was Trinity. It was really good. <laughs> it was you know like what? Say that after you watch it again. It was really good in the way that a high school project can be really good. Like, I... I I contend that it was clever. Yeah. Um, it could have done with less of the 10 minutes of hacky sacking at the end <laughs> to the song Blow My Whistle, Baby. I probably could have done without that. But the rest of it. <laughs> the ten, rest of it. Hacky sacking is so damn boring to watch. <laughs> and you put 10 minutes in. It was just at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. No, you made it through the actual project. Now watch <laughs> us fail at playing hacky sack. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, it doesn't get whiter than that. But, but it was a it was a great day. All the students were really nice to me. Uh, and then I was able to, when I got home, because here's the other thing. You get home pretty early. Yeah. Like, those classes start, like, I had to be there by, like, 730. Mm-hmm. But I was home by 3. Yep. It was awesome. So I made a, a video, a follow-up video to share with the class on YouTube so they could watch everything we already did that day. Uh-huh. And they'd have a little cheat sheet that I put together of what things do. And mostly as backup. Yeah. So they can't complain to the teacher that they forget. Exactly. So they don't have any excuse. <laughs> they have all the information in front of them. It's all super obvious. Um 
But yeah, I don't want to talk that much more about it because I'm just rambling on at this point. But it was a really cool thing to do with a day is like, you know, try to like teach or impart some kind of thing that like I do every week with those kids. Yeah, that's nice. I really enjoyed it. Um, it, I was reminded and I told you this, but I wanted to share that back when I was like playing music a lot more, um, like at all, (laughs) I don't really do that anymore. Um, but our friend Katie and I used to play music together and I was not living in town at the time. I came back to visit and one of her high school teachers who I didn't have in high school, but I knew him through her, um, invited us into the classroom when we were available to like play a little music and talk to them about our process because he knew he had students that were really into music and singing and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it just so happened, like, there was a day that we could do it, so she hit him up and he was like, yeah, sure, come in. We were, like, their heroes because they were supposed to have a quiz that day and they got out of it because we just happened to be there. Yeah. So it was great because they were super respectful and nice and engaged because they got out of a quiz and they knew it. Like, it was the best. That's the thing about the the kids. It was the the one comment they had about uh, Limetown was they were so mad they couldn't listen to season two. And I was like, I know what that is. That's another week of just listening to podcasts. Yeah. That's why, that's where this comes from. <laughs> They're like, oh, why can't we listen to season two? Boo, you know, it's yeah. another, it's another week of screwing You don't around. have to do anything. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember that. I remember how golden that was when you, when you walked into class and there was a TV. I just saw like someone <laughs> made a meme of this. Yeah. Like when you walk that, in and this rack. is what you see. Yeah. And you go, oh, Yes. <laughs> Every time I think of watching a movie in class, all I can think of is when we watched the also my senior year, the Frankenstein movie that has Robert De Niro in it. Yes. And the scene where he's birthed out of a tank of amniotic fluid and <laughs> he like naked and slimy. Naked and slimy and he falls and then Dr. Frankenstein is trying to help him up, but then he gets pulled down and they're just like slipping an amniotic fluid, like a <laughs> naked like a Robert time. De Niro for like five minutes. <laughs> it was so funny yeah. that we made the teacher rewind it like five <laughs> times until she's finally like, why am I rewinding this for you? I'm like, good. why are you letting us watch this? <laughs> Is the bigger question. Every Robert time De Niro I think of had that. to actually do that. Yeah. He had to get and you know, mostly they, naked. They kept like five minutes in the movie. You know there's like 30 minutes of film of naked Robert De Niro like <laughs> slip sliding around. I want that extra reel. Where right? is that? <clears throat> the world has been done a disservice. Yes. If that is not <laughs> that could somewhere. That could have been a short film of its own. <laughs> Just that scene for 30 minutes. Seriously. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's do ourselves a favor. Let's take a little burk burk. Uh, and then when we come back, we can uh, we can do the main segment uh, for the episode. Boy, oh boy, it is nice to be back. Yes, it is. Uh, stick around, and we will be back in just a minute.
And we're back. And we're back. Yes, we are. <laughs> <sighs> so. 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 How do we do this? <laughs> um, I know how we do it. It is main segment time. Yes. So we have moved to a system that's a little more fluid, a little more pick our own topic. Uh-huh. Um, uh, who, who holds me less accountable, which is not good. But, <laughs> but, um, it also lets you get started whenever you want because you could just pick the topic. That's why it's not good because I wait too long to pick my own topic and I'm a procrastinator and I have the same problem I've always had. <laughs> but, um, yesterday I had an energy drink that I should not have had. Okay. And I had it at work because we were like stupid busy. And I was like, I just cannot get into a groove and get anything done. Like, uh, so on my lunch break, I chugged an energy drink. Yeah. And so that meant at like one in the morning, I still couldn't sleep, which I knew was going to happen. And I was already doing the research and I was like, you know what? I'm going to finish this little part. I'll finish the rest tomorrow. I got this weird second surge of energy left over from the energy drink. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm writing it all now. So I got all the research done last night. But I was like three in the morning and I'm laying in bed having like panic anxiety thoughts because of the energy drink. And I'm like, why do I do this? Yeah, that's me after a couple of those things. Especially late. Yes. So. I did it again today. Okay. I don't. Why am I like this? Anyways, <laughs> we're talking about Zendik Farms. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason this came to my attention is because a friend of mine, um, who was on also friends with me on Facebook, um, mentioned this group and said, "Hey, did anyone else back like a little when they were younger get really into Zendik?" Like, she's like, my significant other is telling me I was in a cult and I don't believe it. And it's like her denying that she was in a cult. And then finally in the comments, she's like, after more discussion with my significant other, I think I might have been in a cult. (laughs) Um, And so I reached out to her to see because she has firsthand experience. I'd be remiss to not reach out to a person I actually know who has firsthand experience. Yeah. She has not gotten back to me. Okay. Um. So she knows I'm interested in hearing her her experience. It seems like it was pretty chill, what she personally experienced. Um, if she, her name is Terry, if she wants to tell me, I will give an update after the fact. But if she doesn't, that's fine too. Not everyone wants to share, you know, their story. But yeah, um, I that's how I heard of it because I was like, what the hell is Zendik? Yeah, I never. I don't know it. what it is. So um, that's how all of this started. It's been on my list for a while because that happened several months ago. But I, we had just done the Teal Swan thing, and there then there was the the uh, the sobriety cult thing, and it was like too many sad cults yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> all right. at once. This one. I will say is now defunct, and so it's a little bit better because knowing that it's not around anymore. That's helps. always a great way to start. Yeah, it's a good puts me in a good mental space. Yeah, to know that. Um, I had a lot of sources. Like this is one that Wikipedia wasn't super helpful, but I had so many other places to get information that yeah. I, I was really hard keeping track of it all. Lots of articles about it. 
lots of testimonials of people who were in it and left. Um, all kinds of things. And I'll talk more about where I got the information later. Cause some of it's really cool that people might want to go looking for or read or buy the book yeah. that I have been reading. So let's start with the founder, Lawrence G. No, I think that's an E. Oh, my writing. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence E. Wolfing, who's born in 1920 in El Paso, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, according to lit kicks, the, Username is Z Warrior, and it was posted in 2002, which they were still going at that point. Pretty sure this is a person who was into Zendik, it yeah. sounds like. Warrior is a term that they use. Um, so kind of take some of this with a grain of salt. It might be like skewed cult information, not yeah, right. necessarily to be trusted. But according to that person, uh, Lawrence's dad was a printer, a golden gloves boxer, and an opera singer. Other sources I've seen said his dad did blue-collar work. Um, His mom was wheelchair-bound due to polio, but she was also a bookie in southern L.A. You know, you gotta gotta get pie. Sometimes you're a bookie. (laughs) Right. Hey, you know, being a bookie is a way to make money. Lawrence also was supposedly a bookie for a while, um, and a hot rod builder slash racer and a biplane pilot, and a jazz drummer, and a nightclub owner. Wow, that's a resume. Which is, it kind of makes me sound, it reminds me of, like, the Scientology thing of all the things, like, L. Ron Hubbard did. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of, which is why I say kind of take it where the grain of salt. Um, But in the 1950s, he was in his early 30s, and it was all just too much, man. (laughs) Doing all that stuff. (laughs) Numb to modern life. He was just numb to it all. So he turned to writing. Although, honestly, full disclosure, I know the feeling. Yeah, right. As being in my early 30s I was now. I going to say, I'm like, same. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, it's I'm, everyone, I'm man. I'm to living. <clears throat> so what we should do is turn to writing and join a coffee house art scene, because that's what he did. <laughs> and it worked out so well for him. He started writing poetry and attempted to find himself. At one point, he traveled to Paris. Uh, he wrote a memoir called A Quest Among the Bewildered, and it was basically his personal manifesto of honesty and free thinking. Yeah. Um, he was encouraged by others to write a novel because they they thought it would do better monetarily because a memoir by someone who's an unknown <laughs> entity doesn't really yeah. do anything. You don't buy an unknown person's manifesto. <laughs> right. So <laughs> They kind of have to hook you in first. Right. So um, he wrote a novel, a 900-page page novel. I think it was called Zendik. And he later changed his name to the main character's name. Just like, okay, Weird. that's a thing you can do. Weird. Um, Zendik supposedly means sans- in Sanskrit means outlaw, heretic, or one outside the established order, which is a bit on the nose. It kind of is. Uh, especially Hello, my when you name hear, is Johnny Rebel. Yeah, when you hear more about what Zendik is and what they stand for. Um, supposedly the novel was well-received in literary communities, but uh, Zendik came, or, you know, Lawrence Wolfing, a.k.a. Wolf Zendik is what he changed his name to. W-U-L-F. That's Wolf, how his name Wolf. is. Wolf. Wolf Zendik. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a bad guy in a movie. It does. Um, it sounds like a Bond villain. But according to, like, him and the mythology surrounding him, it was too blunt and controversial for mainstream release. So he didn't even, he stopped trying to 
get it published, which is like, nah, no one fucking wanted it, yeah, dude. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a great, like, <clears throat> save my skin move to be like, no one really liked it. But, but you know what? won't say that. It's not lost to time. Well, I'm sure it's very easy to find now. It is on wolfzendik.wordpress.com. You can find yes. his novel. They have a WordPress. Someone has it for him. And despite the fact that the this group is no longer active, you could still see it on the WordPress. Okay. Have you really, maybe we should document these things because like I don't down, know how long someone's. It now? Yeah, I don't know how long people are going to be paying for a WordPress site if the cult's no longer active. That's a good point. So maybe we should do that. But um, you can find the novel and his other works at wolfzendik.wordpress.com. Wow. Um, some consider him a lost beat. Okay. Um, I never really got into the beats, and I was never really very well-versed with poetry. Um, well, so maybe you'll have a different take on it than I do. When you add in the jazz stuff <clears throat> and that whole like sort of like underbelly scene and the free-thinking yeah. kind of avant-garde thing, it does kind of sound beat-like. Yeah. Oh, definitely he's along those lines. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying I don't know if he should be revered as a lot of the, the beats are, talent-wise. Would he call everyone cat, I wonder? I don't know, but there is a lot of lingo. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about that. But <laughs> I want to read you one of his poems. Cool. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called Acid in the Wind. Don't do that. No, why not? Ah, okay. Can I snap when it's done? Yes. Thank you. Won't count the things I've tasted, how far I've been wasted, seeking my own self, acid blowing, flowing in the wind. Cross the wide mountain sky, what will a man do to clear the mind and eye? What alchemy will he try? How much will he stake? What will he take to see what's true? Acid blowing, flowing in the wind, through a tall knowing pine, ancient and divine, this sacred tree of eternal design, I kneel to its windswept glory. Yes, far from my weary city story, I seek the weave of cosmic interlace to slow my mad mortal pace. And mountain summer rain, through green willing branches, weeps gentle tears upon my face. And the wind whispers, Thou art rush and strain. We, the wind and rain and great knowing tree, are free. And there, in humble prayer before an all-knowing shrine, this tall-knowing pine, I sing in holy asking, Ancient one of the wind and rain, ease my pain. I seek to end this mad pace of my mortal chase. You were once young as I. Teach me now. Teach me how to live and die, ever free, ever high. And the wind through green giving branches whispers, Tell this glory into thy weary city story. To rush is sin. Forsake the race, thou canst win. Life itself is the only grace. Acid blowing, flowing, across the wide mountain sky. Acid, acid blowing, flowing in the wind. Yeah, not bad. 420 plays it. <laughs> ever high. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what stuck with me. Just want to be ever my, high. My favorite line is, thou canst win. <laughs> Thou canst, you know. Because sometimes the trees just become Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, like what made him decide in the middle of all of that really kind of contemporary yeah, it just like doesn't go with the rest Thou canst win. Thou canst win. He what? couldn't. He, he couldn't say you can't a, win. It. It didn't fit. Didn't fit for him. Oh, okay, I'm not super impressed with him as a poet. No, I'm not either. <laughs> um, I on honestly. 
this was kind of the best one of the few that I looked at. I was like, eh, I don't like his rhyme schemes. I just don't dig it. Some of it I liked, actually, where he did. Some of it was. There was some clever rhyming in there, but not all of it. Yeah. Some of it just kind of felt like he was just filling page. Here's the thing. This is one of the things that gets people in um, is his art and music and things like that. And I'm just like, would I? Would I? (laughs) Yeah. Like, would you like gravitate to that guy? But there's. Because he's such a low rent someone else. They use a lot of tactics and. It's not the merit of his work itself that draws people in. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Um. And, but I mean, good for someone. Good for him for living his dream and trying to do his art and all that stuff. Like I can't discredit him for that. Hey, you can't fault someone for writing shitty poetry. I've done a lot of it. I mean, so I, much. I tried, and then I realized I was real shitty. Oh yeah, I, I've written some terrible lots poems. of poems about dogs you can only do so many poems about dogs <laughs> i think i've written mostly poems about some kind of vague frustration that can't be expressed and also alcohol those were my <laughs> those were all my poems they're all bad they're so Sounds bad right. <laughs> let's carry on shall we so wolf zendik i i don't know exactly you couldn't peg down exactly when he changed his name he might not change his name until after he met Carol Merson. Mm. Um, she was also an aspiring artist. She also was a stripper, an artist, and a copy editor. She... And a biplane pilot. <laughs> right. And a unicyclist and an avid she... macchiato drinker. <laughs> she changed her name to Errol. She just dropped a C from her first name. Uh, she changed it to Errol Wolf um, and later went by Errol Wolfing or Errol Zendik. Kind of. They're kind of free-flowing people. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's the mid to late 50s, I assume. Uh, 1969. It's is the late 60s. When they co-founded Zendik Farms as kind of an artist collective. Now, the farm moved several times. It started in California. Um, it, at various points, was in Texas, Florida, um, North Carolina, and most recently, West Virginia. Okay. Um. So what did they believe? I wrote a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. These, um, these kind of groups always do that, don't they? They like they turn into like a dirty ball like that just picks up lint. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that just organically builds. And it's one of those things of when it gets bastardized, it might start out as really pure intentions. Yeah. But eventually it's bastardized because you have one or two people who are the revered ones. Yeah. And then they are just doing things for their own personal mm-hmm. gain, whatever that is, be it money or narcissistic needs, like attention, all that stuff. Yeah. This whole thing becomes a little muddled and the goals get a little weird. Plus I feel um, like the tent is always trying to get bigger, right? So like yeah. the bigger you want the tent, the more stuff you got to make part and, of your core identity. And this is like a relatively small group. I'll talk about numbers at the very end. But all said and told, I mean, I think there were a lot of people interested in this and came and went over the years. But it, I think at its biggest, I would say maximum – a yeah. hundred members at a time. Oh, like, that's a pretty manageable call. Not very big. That's great. And that's, that's like absolute max. That's like the golden size cult. Right. It's like right where you want it. Sweet spot. <laughs> so 
They believe the outside world is problematic and only Zendik can revolutionize, revolutionize <laughs> and fix the world. Yeah. Um, which is a very common cult thing. It's very easy to gloss over your own personal sacrifices if you think you're doing better for the world. Yeah. Um, and they also believe the outside world is killing the earth. They're kind of like eco-warrior kind of things. Oh, okay. Um, a little glossary. It was kind of hard to figure out when to put the glossary in because you kind of need to know the terms for some of the beliefs to make sense. But yeah. for the beliefs to make sense, you you need to know the term. It, it's... It goes hand in hand. Sure. So I'm just going to give you the glossary now. Um, a square is a conventional or something conventional or normal that's not created at or consonant with Zendik. Um, okay. And some of these terms are very like 60s and 70s, yeah. like for sure. But even as far through as like 2013 is when they kind of collapsed. Yeah. They were still using this language. They're There's still talking like, like a jazz group cats. of people calling things squares. <laughs> being like, oh that's square. Weird. Isn't but... it like kind of fun to think of that? Yeah, it is. Just like they never moved on. They're just like all <laughs> yeah. like I don't know, he's kind of a square, Daddy O, what do you think? <laughs> um <laughs> the next phrase is get into your life, which means forget about personal problems, get back to work. Being affirmative means vanquishing your negativity or critical thoughts, especially towards Zendik, mm -hmm. and getting back to work. Okay. Um, you'll notice a theme. Uh, <laughs> take the bus home is a big threat. Um, selling is a big part of this, and I'll talk about that more later. But being a drag on your street crew, and it means you'd be a drag on your street crew, and they'd be better off if you took the bus back to the farm. And leave them to do the selling themselves. You you went home. Oh. Face the consequences for being a drag to everyone else. Okay. Get an apartment is the relationship equivalent of take the bus home. It means your love affair is too square and dissonant with the Zendik philosophy. And that the farm would be better off if you left and did your thing in the outside world. Wow. Um, running your own show is bad. It means you want to do something your own way or you're starting a project without permission. That's not cool, man. Yeah, definitely. Not very, very mm. unzendic. Yeah, right? very unzendic. Yeah. Um, hanging in means staying at Zendic no matter what. Supposedly everyone who hangs in will achieve enlightenment. Which it just it's typical cult stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Just it, it's like uh it in some way, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the AA thing of it works if you work it, keep coming back kind of thing of just yeah. like, there's a promise. If you just hang out, you're going to get enlightened. Every, every cult has some way of saying that. Yeah. Um, input. And they also do the thing of um, using words and giving them different definitions yeah, that or using them in a different context. It's They call it a thought-stopping mechanism because it... Uh, Inhibits your critical thinking when they're telling you how to rethink about language yeah. and what kind of language you should use. Right. Um, so input means criticism, and it's usually not constructive and a lot of times done to the point where it shames or humiliates the target of it. Yeah. Um, like really mean, <clears throat> biting criticism. Yeah. 
box means vagina cock means penis these are like the <laughs> the terms they regularly use i love when people use the word box it's so much so, like i don't love it it's so weird it's hilarious to me i love it well you're gonna love this next There's one nothing less because cubicle than a vagina either balling means having sex <laughs> right? i mentioned that to you <laughs> balling um <laughs> making it also means having sex it's a very 60s 70s thing yeah um on means you're alert and you're making money it's like when you're out selling uh-huh. out of it means you're unaware you're upset you're fucked up etc and you're not making money uh-huh um, you're out is a period of time spent away from the farm, though it may be deemed necessary after the fact to deal with any fantasies you have of the outside world. Um, oh. the need to take one is kind of considered weak and sort of condemned, like it talked about in a derisive tone. What the, like, need to, the need to have an out or the yeah, need to... the, the need, uh, he was out for a while kind of oh, thing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had to deal with that. He was out for a while, but right. still kind of condescending. You kind of speak in hushed tones about it. Yeah. Um, escape wow. means engage in activity you shouldn't enjoy, but do due to your upbringing in death culture. I'll talk about death culture in a minute mm-hmm. to take the edge off so you can return to your revolutionary lifestyle. So <laughs> like watching a movie. Or something, oh. something you really shouldn't do within Zendik, but it like it's an escape. It gets you out of your head for a little bit. Yeah. Um, survival is any activity Errol, who's one of the leaders, deems necessary. Fucking with survival um, is a th- an accusation she'll throw at people. Yeah. Basically, any mistake you make, if it's not in line with what she thinks needs to happen, you're fucking with survival. Oh. Um, death culture, spelled D-E-A-T-H-K-U-L-T-U-R. That's weird. They Wait, they you, had K's. you are? Yeah. They had K's in a lot of weird places. Yeah. Um, I think because that Zendik Yeah, thing. right. Yeah, it's sort of like um, part of the, uh, the, the built-in like uh, letter logic of like yeah. hard K's everywhere. Death culture is the outside world, anything that's not Zendik. Um, and it really, you want to talk about a cult alienating people from the world, you're calling it death culture. Yeah. Like Everything that is part of your regular world is death culture. Yeah. You don't want to be a part of that, do you? Um, warrior is anyone who lives at Zendik and is battling to save the planet from spoilers or normals. Or squares, um, God forbid. Yep. Anyone who is not a warrior is a civilian. <laughs> oh, um, ego jacked is feeling good about personal accomplishment. And if if you're accused of being ego jacked on something, you're going to be prohibited from further pursuing whatever that activity is. Sure. Now, to contextualize this, this could mean like, you're really good at something and you want to put those skills to use. So you do a project and you're like, oh shit, I'm good at this. And you're like excited and proud about a project you did. They're going to be like, man, you're really ego jacked. Yeah, that's not good because it makes you too much of an individual still. Exactly. You're maintaining personal aspiration. And that leads me into the next thing I wrote down, which is Zendik Farms was supposedly built on Wolf Zendik's free thinking philosophy, but any independent art, thought, pride in yourself is discouraged yeah um 
It's supposedly an artist commune, but most of your time is spent working hard physical work or selling. There's no time for selfish personal pursuits. Mm -hmm. Um, Like many cults, they are saving the world. Like I said before, they use this to encourage members to make personal sacrifices. You could gloss over it a lot easier when you are guilted into thinking, you know, you're doing it for the greater good. Yeah, right. So let's talk about the selling. They yeah, get what are they selling exactly? A lot of their money, their income comes from peddling goods on the street, essentially. They have a zine. They sell their zine. Their oh, stickers. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the time. Yeah. Their shirts, their CDs, etc. cetera. Um, well, they eventually they, got the CDs. Yep. It's usually of music, and I didn't really listen to some. I think you can get some on Spotify, I potentially. It's intolerable. Not great. I've heard it's not good. <laughs> Especially Errol's. Yeah. I think Wolf's maybe was a... I listened to a little bit of Wolf's on YouTube. Yeah. He was, like, kind of like his poetry. It was just him kind of talk singing over music. Okay. It was, like, fine. It wasn't really great. It's, like, inoffensive, but not good. Yeah. Um... But the thing they're known for is the stickers they had. It's kind of like their tagline, stop bitching, start a revolution. Um, They later sold T-shirts with this on it. And I found out at one point, Christina Aguilera wore a shirt that said, stop bitching, start a revolution. Like she somehow got one of their shirts. And then. Yeah, like outside, out of context. That's kind of cool. Right. And then they like could not make enough of them (laughs) (laughs) like that was a huge boost to this cult's economy you talk about some ripple effects like christina aguilera sees a shirt that speaks to her all of a sudden a cult is raking in (laughs) dough right i doubt she even knows no and it's the effect it has a little irresponsible of her but i could give her a pass she probably didn't know she She could have found it in a thrift store like you find their shit everywhere yeah um Because they sell to people on the street. They go to, like, concerts, music festivals, cities, and a lot of, like, Fish, Grateful Dead, OzFest, like, any music venue, any, like, um, concert venue and music festival at the time, but especially the kind of deadhead jam band sort of thing. Because there's a lot of people in psychedelics, and it's that very 1960s, 70s point of view. Yeah, it all kind of coalesces together, largely around, like, drugs and openness of experience. No, the Zendix don't really do drugs. At some point, they probably did in the beginning. Our our boy Wolf is pretty into acid, it sounds like. Yeah, but it's not conducive to giving everything you've got to a cult if you're fucked up all the time. So they do not do drugs. They seem like they made their own alcohol. At some point, and they rarely partook in it. Like, occasionally they have parties and stuff. Yeah. But they didn't really party too much that way. If you're going to join a cult and they're not going to let you party, what the hell is the point? <clears throat> Sex. But okay, I'll well, get to that. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. Um, <laughs> most of the groups women sold and some of the men did. Um, and they believed in this concept called life artistry, which is everything you do is art. So if going out and selling is art, putting up a barn is art, you know, if you live with life artistry, everything you do is art. So you don't need to do that painting. You just need to live your life artfully. That sounds like something invented by a juice company to get me to sell juice. 
this is a their way of discouraging personal artistic pursuits. If anyone would complain and be like, hey, I'm an artist. I came here to an artist commune. And they're like, well, you should be living your life. Yeah. You, this is life artistry. Everything <laughs> you do is art. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck you. You know that's not what I meant and not why I came here. Yeah. But, it makes, but it's it a makes... way to guilt people into doing what's best for the group, which yeah. means what's best for the leaders of the group. Once again, suppressing the individual by <clears throat> pretending to give them some kind of agency. <laughs> yeah. Life artistry. You're not subservient to us. You're living your life artistry. Yeah. Stop so, complaining. Living therapy is another thing they believe in. It's so basically Zendex attack each other for perceived failings and use those failings to diagnose areas of psychic or philosophic corruption. I want to read oh, an example. This sounds interesting right off the bat. Um, and I do real quick. I'll mention them at the end, but I want to mention real quick here that I got a lot of this information. There's a, a Zendek fact. Yeah. Um, and that's where I got this and the glossary and a bunch of the other information. It's written by Helen Zuman. It's still, you could still go to it. She's keeping it up and active just so it's there for reference. Mm -hmm. But it's not her most up-to-date feelings on the group. She has since published a book called Mating in Captivity. I'm yeah. about halfway through it. So some of this information comes from the book. It's actually really good. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's like... Easy to read, well-written. It's kind of a captivating look inside a group I had never heard of before. Yeah. And copywritten 2018. This is really recent. Wow. And it's like a nice cover in everything. Like, it's really well done for a fairly independently published thing. I mean, she has a publisher, but it it's really low-key. I know there was like a kickstart oh, thing okay. for it, like... All that stuff, but it's really good, and I recommend it if you want to know more or just want to hear someone's personal story about what it was like for them to be in. I, it's really good. Yeah. Honestly, if I had had like maybe two solid days where I didn't have anything to do, I could have burned through it already. I just never have that much free time, but it's really good, and all I've been wanting to do is read it. Well, that's cool. Um, so I'm definitely going to finish it. I might um, want to read that after you do. Absolutely. Um, so I want to get back to the fact um, because that's where this little blurb is, this example. Oh, where'd okay. it go? I queued all this up, but it's still like one of my tabs. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is not a conversation that literally happened but this is the type of conversation okay like a model conversation <laughs> yeah that could happen like between what like leadership and uh, follower kind of thing you'll you'll see follower to follower basically but here's a fictionalized example complete with made-up names a lot of zendix rename themselves just like wolf and errol did and the names she uses are obviously a little bit tongue-in-cheek in cheek and funny, but not that different from the actual names. Let me just say, Errol is a stupid name. Yeah. And I find it annoying. She just dropped the C. Just dropping the C is not enough. I don't like it. Anyway. It's not as cool as Wolf Zendik. <laughs> it's, it's not as cool as that. I'm just saying. So Shiso brings up the fact that Wasabi only made $300 selling Georgetown last Saturday. She so theorizes that Wasabi was or is out of it, 
and was or is a drag to be around because he's not getting honest about his jealousy. His current love interest, Nori, recently had a date with Tamari. Wakami jumps in and says, It's not just that Wasabi's jealous of Tamari. Wasabi's totally unfriendly to men in general. He never lets on to the other guys how he really feels. Sure, he needs to start talking about his feelings, but he also better get to work on his bullshit philosophy. <laughs> Sushi adds, yeah, I think psychically he's trying to fuck with our survival because he's competitive with Wolf. He's trying to bring down what Wolf started. The rest of the group nods, murmurs agreement. Shiso turns to Wasabi and says, well, Wasabi, what do you have to say for yourself? Wasabi, who's beet red and choking back tears, answers, I, I don't really think... Tamari cuts him off. Quit being defensive, he says. We're your friends. We're trying to help you. Why don't you just take a deep breath and take the input? Wasabi starts sobbing in earnest and stares down at his fingernails. The group moves on to its next victim. So this is the kind of thing that can Ew. happen. The kind of discourse of just kind of breaking someone down. Ew. Yeah. And the the lingo, the jargon. They're it's a bunch just, of mean girls. Yeah. They're they're mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> and like like mean girls <laughs> yes and the the whole like the get honest thing it's something that's encouraged to like be very <clears throat> blunt and and honest but this only flows one direction yeah. it only flows from the the lower level in the hierarchy up like you have to admit everything but no one above you has to talk about their real reasons for doing anything and uh -huh. that's that's a sign that you're in a cult when the people at the top aren't held to the same standards as the people bringing in the money and doing everything you know? yeah um there's so much information on this fact and so much information in this book which it's a lot easier to read the book because you're taking in the information and not realizing you're learning about this group because it's just interesting yeah and you learn the language as you go without someone having to explain it to you which yeah. is it's kind of like a clockwork steep. orange where you're like i get what they're saying <clears throat> but how did i just learn this whole new language <laughs> yeah, like how did i slowly absorb this bizarre way to talk yeah that's interesting. You just kind of get like immersed it's, in it. It's not as difficult as Clockwork Orange because all of this at least has something resembling real language, you yeah. know? Um, Where you can see the metaphors. Like they, yeah. they kind of make sense. So they also believe in psychic cause and effect, which is essentially like the secret kind oh. of a thing that you you bring things in. You can manifest things. But it's usually used in a negative context. So, like, if something bad happens to you, you brought that in. Okay. So, something horrible happens. Well, you did that. You subconsciously wanted that to happen. Mm -hmm. So, why did you do that? I hate that. Why are you fucking with our survival? Oh, I hate that so much. Um, I can see being I, on, de on the defensive all the time. I here. wrote Scientology much? Yeah, right. Because they believe that whole bringing it in. Well, why did you bring that in? Yeah. Oh, you were molested as a child? Well, you brought that in. Yeah. Well, which is like horrible to tell anyone. Despicable. Yeah. So it's super culty. The This whole thing, this is definitely a cult. Mm -hmm. And so much. It's just every time we talk about one of these groups, it's just the same things it's, over and over and so over. It's so weird how the basic principles are like so because flexible. it works. It yeah, because it works. Because it works. At least it works on enough people that this <laughs> will not go away, maybe ever. Yeah, we're always going to have people who take advantage of other people. Yeah. 
I mean, on the individual level, you have manipulative partners and abusers. And in a group level, it's a cult. It's all the same behavior. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about their sex because they have a lot of it. <laughs> okay. And it's a loaded topic in Zendik. You know what? At least they have that. If you're going to join a cult that breaks you down every week and makes you sell stupid T-shirts, at least you get laid. You'd think that. Yes, I do. But it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, polyamory is encouraged, and that's fine if that's like personally what you want to do. Yeah. But it's encouraged for everybody. Is it encouraged or is it kind of like borderline enforced? It's enforced. Yeah. Um. So you're condemned for spending too much time with any one person. So you can be in a relationship with someone. You're still encouraged to, like, be with other people physically as well. Right. And if you're too into each other and spending too much time together um, and not with other people also, yeah, uh, that's where that whole get an apartment thing comes in. Like, this is not Zendik. Gotcha. You guys are too into each other. You don't have the greater good. In mind, you got to be fucking other people. Um, <laughs> you got to focus on more than one box is what you're saying. Yeah. More than one box, more than one cock. <laughs> I can't believe they call it cock. That's something about that is like really striking to me. <laughs> um. Anyway. So the way it works, and this is where it, it's really weird. It's not just like free love. Everyone's fucking everyone all the time. You have to request a date. And it's, if you're a woman, you're, and I'll get into this later, homosexuality isn't really condoned okay. in this group. Um, so if you're a woman and you want to go on a date with a man, you go to the people in charge of the dating and you say, hey, I want to go on a date with sushi. And they say, okay. And they ask sushi for you. And if sushi says yes, then you go on a date. Yeah. The word date means sex. Like, yeah. if you're going on a date, you're having sex. It's the implicit Netflix and chill sort yeah, of date. But if you're not ready for that, you can ask to go on a walk, which is like actually going on a walk, holding hands, kissing, like anything that's not up quite up to sex. Yeah. Um, But that sounds kind of nice in the way that you're like, it's if you're rejected, you're not rejected directly by that person. So it's kind of a padding. Yeah. But you're also getting permission from other people to go on these dates. Like, you could be told no, not just because the person said no, Man, potentially. What a trade-off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's sort of save your ego, but also, like, the... the you're the, not in control of who you ye- see or who you're into, you know? It's strange. Um, you ha- kind of have to ask permission to have sex, or at least... Um, Helen did at one point um, in the book. She like goes to the this group that they had to discuss these issues. And she was like, hey, I want to have sex with this person. The person was in that meeting and they're like, are you cool with that? And he's like, I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm like, how fucking weird is that? <laughs> then, he, then just rubs this his is, hand together creepily. This is something mm. that could have happened in a private conversation between two people, but okay. <laughs> but instead we um, brought it to a committee. Now, they... Uh, they do use birth control. They use what's called the rhythm method, which is taking women takes. Have you never heard that term? I, I have, but I can't remember what it is. I It's what I told you about. I, I told you like the weird stuff, the 
birth control kind of thing they do. But as a woman, you can um, log your temperatures usually first thing in the morning. And when you ovulate, your temperature is usually a little bit higher than it normally is. Oh. Um, so that's one thing you do with the rhythm method is you log those. And when you notice a change, you're like, okay, probably, probably ovulating. Another thing you can make note of is your cervical mucus. Oh, it changes, that's right. yeah, it changes consistencies. So this is something most people wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you might, as a woman, you might experience it. Yeah. But you wouldn't like scientifically know this. When you guys were talking about this on Sunday, I remember coming in the room going, y'all talking about cervical mucus? <laughs> yeah. All so, right, let's talk about it. So um, what they do is before date nights, they um, have their own speculums because oh don't God. we all? Um, they call it spacking. <laughs> Get together Why, for I've a got little, a couple around the house right now. Get together for a little spec sesh. Oh my God. And so all the women that are potentially, you know, going to be dating or whatnot, they get their speculums and they put them on in there, <laughs> open up, and they take a Q-tip or whatever, and they take a little bit of cervical mucus. And if it's like open and more elastic-y, oh then you're probably ovulating. And oh this is God. combined with... So weird. Combined with the the temperature information, you kind of learn your cycle and like, oh, hey, I know I'm not ovulating at this time in the month normally. Okay. Um, so if you're ovulating, you're not allowed to ball. No <laughs> balling for you. You can still go on your date, but no balling. Okay, David? This Stop is strict, laughing. This strict is no balling. This is a no ball zone. Oh, my God. No ball zone. Zero balling. Zero balling today. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Um, at wow. one point, condoms were not used or were discouraged because basically Wolf didn't like them. Sure. Um, because they decreased your pleasure. Which I know because every high school boy ever has told me. That is that is a fact, objectively. But also, if you're having multiple partners, yeah, you, you should, should be you wearing should a condom. Wrap that shit up. Yes. <laughs> um, if you are in a monogamous relationship and you have been tested and you guys are cool with not wearing condoms, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If you have multiple partners, you should probably wear protection because condoms yeah. are the only thing that can prevent... Sexually transmitted diseases. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to tell people this, but the Zendix didn't fucking get it. <laughs> uh, man, I wonder what condoms were like in the late 60s. I don't know, but they existed. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, and children were kind of discouraged at first, at least for the general population. Eventually, it seems like it became a little more accepted. Um, if someone fell pregnant... Errol would be the deciding factor as far as, like, if it was cold. But sometimes she told them to have an abortion and kind of, like, forced them to have an abortion. Yeah. Um, And if someone did have a child and they weren't of, like, the upper group of people, the child was separated from their parents and raised by others in the group. Um, And the theory behind why they would do this is, like, you don't want a kid to bond too much to their parents because then they're loyal to you and not to the group. Oh, God, that's bad. That's um, a huge red flag. Uh, the members of the group are tested for STDs when 
they come in, so they know they're quote unquote clean, uh-huh. but not for HIV and or AIDS because they don't believe in it. Yeah. And they're not using fucking condoms. They're not testing for HIV. Wow. And they're not using condoms. They're just not testing for it at all? Uh, I mean, I can't speak to historically if they ever did or if people got themselves tested themselves, but. That's really weird. That seems like um, you should definitely want to know that. It seems like Wolf's memoir is very, like, it's, this is a homophobic culture. Um, okay. So what, he just didn't think it applied to he, everyone else? He discredits homosexuality as a valid reality. Like, it's, like, it's not a real thing. Okay. Basically, like, you, like it's something calling- you're doing right now, but you're not just a homosexual. It's not something you are. It's a choice you're making right oh, now. Oh, right. And Blech. that, like, the way, the language of it, I can't remember exactly how he said it. It's on that, it's in that fact. Um, it was disgusting, and I didn't want to think about it. It was, it was a horrible. Yeah, they just basically treat it like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is, this is some sort of uh, either decision or behavior or even affliction that you have put on yourself, yeah, and- but not a valid way to be. And, like, same-sex partnerships were maybe something you could toy around with a little bit, but not really encouraged. <laughs> what? Hold on. Why Why the flexibility there? Why be, like... Well, it just seems like maybe occasionally they'd be like, oh, all right, you kissed a dude, that's cool. Or, like, you want to hang out with a guy and discover that side of yourself, fine. But, like, that's not really encouraged. I was going to say, what's, what's the point of saying that's fine if it's not fine? I mean, I'm just speaking from the little bit I... Yeah, I read. I don't hold me to it too much because it's like one account of one person saying a thing about it. Sure. So I don't know how much it actually happened. Yeah. Um, there is a hierarchy to the group. Uh, in the book Mating in Captivity, um, Helen noticed that people were wearing different color bracelets, and someone pointed out to her that there's like a hierarchy, and she was really upset by that because yeah. she was. St- not in it very long at that point and was like, Hey, like that's what I'm trying to get away from. And now I find out there's like, we're not all equal. We're not all on the same level. Like yeah. what the fuck is this? Was a little upset by that. Um, Errol is at the top echelon of the group and her family, their children and their lovers. They're all the top. Yeah. Um, in the book, she has like names for the levels. I didn't write that down. It's not really important. Um, the hierarchy is mostly based on favoritism, sometimes length of your involvement, but not necessarily. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's based on money. If you're a really good seller or if you're like bringing other people into the group, yeah. maybe that can get you a little higher in the group. It seems highly political. It's either you, yeah. you represent the values that we want other people to have or you're making us money and, that, and you're important. And... Yeah. Um, also, people are encouraged to... Sign over if they have a car, sign over their car to the group. And a lot of times it's phrased as, okay, sign over your car or drive it away. You can you can give this over and really be part of the group, or you can just leave. This is naturally to keep people from just fleeing, right? Um, possibly that, but also like they go on selling trips and stuff. They need vehicles. Yeah. So it's like this is you give your shit to the group or you clearly don't want to be a part of it. Wow. Um, they're told essentially to give their money or leave. 
Um, Helen sort of volunteered hers pretty easily. She she went to Harvard, by the way. Like, this is a smart person wow. with a pretty good academic career. She had grant money to um, essentially investigate some of these groups. This is not the first group that she investigated, but she had other ones she was potentially going to look at. Uh-huh. She had grant money to do this. And she ended up deciding to stay with Zendik, and she gave them her grant money. It was something to the tune of, like, $12,000. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, she could have done literally anything else with $12,000. multiple times where she waffles with that decision and, and questions at certain points, like, maybe that was not. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> ding, so they ding, didn't. Ding. They didn't really put the screws to her because she volunteered it pretty readily, mm-hmm. but she did witness like other people getting inheritance, like an inheritance, and essentially being forced to fork it over. Yeah. But if you're Errol and you get an inheritance, none of it dribbles down. No, of course not. Um. So, what happened to the group? Yeah. In the I'm, early I'm a- days. It was 70-plus people on the farm, though it does seem in the very early days, like in California, it was a little bit of a shit show, and there was a lot of, like, jealousy and stuff. Of At some point, like, a barn was burnt down or by a jealous lover or something. They hadn't quite sorted out the polyamory shit. I think oh. maybe that was why some things got put in place of, like, other people yeah, like, telling you who you could be with. Like and, making you see different and, people to yeah, break and, down your attachments. Yeah, and making you feel fucked up if you're too attached to someone. Yeah. Um. So in the early days, though, it was, like, 70-plus people on a farm. In 1999, Wolf died, leaving Errol in charge. <coughs> Um, it seems like although they had a tumultuous relationship, they were a balance for each other. Uh, Helen says that in their writing, uh, Wolf was more forceful and Errol was more compassionate. But in real life, Wolf was the compassionate one and Errol is the more aggressive one. Yeah. And they were a balance for each other. And when Wolf passed away, Errol was a nightmare. Basically, okay. just there's no one reining her in. Yeah, sure. Um, so then there was a decline in membership because of that. Also, they moved several times and that was tumultuous and people leave, more people come, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, towards the end, there was like 20 to 30 members. So it got pretty low in membership. In 2013, Errol died. She had a daughter named Fawn and they definitely... Um, like, it seemed like she was, towards the end, giving Fawn a lot more power in the group and handing things over a little more. So it seemed like Fawn was going to keep this alive when Errol passed away. But pretty soon after she fa- she passed away, it went under. I don't know exactly what happened or wow. why. Um, but at one point in 2013, the farm in West Virginia was up for sale for a little under a million dollars, I think. Wow. Um, there, so like I mentioned before, I used so many resources, like a very little bit of wiki, just the barest amount, like not much. Um, I used literary kicks. There was an article or a, like a blog called marketing the revolution. My 13 years at Zendik farms. Um, that guy's story is really cool. Basically he was like super into computers and software before, that was a thing okay. like before Commodore 64. 
like back in the day when if you did programming, your only job would be like at a corporation. Yeah, you'd be like working um, at a giant adding machine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, which he could have done, but that he didn't want to do that. So he ended up getting into Zendik. And he was encouraging them like they did these zines, but they did them the old school way. And he's like, you know, we could be using technology and this would be so much easier and so much more cost effective. And they're like, no. So they did get a Commodore 64. He did some stuff on that. Eventually they got like another better computer and he was like really into it. And they were like, oh, you're ego jacked kind of thing. Like, so he was discouraged from doing something he was really good at, which could have been helpful to the group. Yeah. But you're discouraged from doing anything like that. That seems like a really stupid and self-defeating rule when you put it that way. <clears throat> yeah. They probably could have made themselves bigger and better if they used what people, people are good at. How many people could you reach if, like, you don't have to have a printing press to make your zine? Yeah. And you can print it on a $100 printer or something, you know? like Yeah. Um, It could have been a lot easier, but that they sort was of like cannibalize their own internal talents. Yeah, because you don't want anyone to thrive. You want the only people who can be talented are the oh, top. Right. Um. So there, the Zendik FAQ is called Sex, Money, Mind Control, the Zendik FAQ or FAQ. Uh, Mating in Captivity, again, is her book. Mm-hmm. I got it on Amazon. It was a little hard to find. I searched for mating in captivity on Amazon. I did not find this book that way, Mm -hmm. but I Google searched mating in captivity and the Amazon link popped up and I followed it and bought it there. Okay. It was like 12 bucks. It's not an expensive book. It's like, uh, over 200 pages, like maybe 230 pages at most. Like I said, it's a good read. I'm about halfway through it. And if I had more free time, I'd be done with it already. Right. Um, it's really interesting. So I suggest that, again, the fact is written by the same person, Helen. Uh-huh. Um, and she, at the top, she says, you know, my thoughts have changed a little bit, but this is here for future knowledge for anyone who wants it. I'll keep it up. But if you want my most up-to-date processing of what I've been through, read the novel. Yeah. Or not novel, the memoir. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to point out, just because I it was something really interesting I read in her book. Um, she was virgin when she went to Zendik Farms. Oh, jeez. And so she had her first, she had like messed around with people, but she hadn't actually had intercourse. So for the first time that happened for her at Zendik Farms. Yeah. And one thing she says, it didn't happen with a person she was like really physically attracted to, but it happened with someone she had a really good relationship with, like, intellectually. Okay. And because she knew nothing, he sort of walked her through it. And she does say, like, even though it wasn't mind-blowing, she was grateful for the fact that it was with someone who actually did care about her. Yeah. And it was a good experience. Yeah. And she says specifically, like, later when things, like, I was thankful for it. Zendik seemed silly. This one still is sincere. Like that's something that still was a good experience for her. And she did not regret. There were a lot of things that later on, she's like, why would I thank them for that? Yeah. But that's not one. 
So as, a lot of people's first sexual experience is not great, and it's not even necessarily with someone that's all that great. And there's all kinds of ways right. that can be uncomfortable. Right. I and like it's a win if you can look at, back at it and be like, "That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't too fucked up." Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of sweet that it was with someone who like actually cared about her and walked her through it, and they had a, a mental connection, if not like a huge physical connection. Yeah. So. And like they cuddled afterwards and stuff. It was like nice. Yeah, it I'm sounds like, That's nice. That's good. Um, so of course this is a cult. It was not great. There were a <laughs> lot of bad things. But even in that, people process things differently. People take good and bad from it. Not everything was horrible. Uh-huh. A lot of it was. But there were good things too. Apparently the food was really good. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just another note because they. It's a detail. They grew most of their own food and stuff, so a lot of it was just fresh, and they eat, it seems like, pretty vegetarian. Yeah. Um, But the food was good, but they were often kind of rationed, depending on what Wolf and Errol felt. At one point, they decided all the women were getting too fat, and so they were put on 1,600-calorie diets. Wow. Um, So, yeah, shit like that, just not good all around. There's so much more I could talk about, but I had to sort of limit it. Yeah. To make an episode, but it's funny. I was going to ask you what the heck they farmed because it's it's supposed to be farms, but I'm not like I was like I don't know what they're growing there. They they grew a lot of food, and they also like they're very much of of the earth kind of group. Yeah. So they're like putting up barns and painting and any project that needs done, they're doing themselves and yeah that kind of thing. I think they might have also sold produce like outside. Sure. of themselves to Another make way some to make money. money yeah but mostly it was the money was from selling their zines and stickers and cds and merch yeah buy that buy merch. that merch <laughs> i'm sure you can still find people especially probably like fish people and grateful dead people who knew zendix oh they're yeah. like everywhere at the time yeah um but yeah, that's that is the cult that was Zendik Farms. So weird. The whole thing of like the whole speculum thing. Ugh, that's the weirdest, so right? Bizarre. And not like I'm not talking down on the rhythm method at all because it's a valid form of birth control. Mm. That is fine. It's weird in a group setting. <laughs> You gotta like it's have kind help. of strange to have your own speculum. It's strange. Yeah. It's not even kind of strange. Some people are into that, as we talked about on Sunday. Yeah, it's true. Some people are in. For, I don't want to yuck someone's yum. For, you might be for, really for like into fetish using purposes. Speculum. That's just whatever. Yeah, but I'm not into it. It's weird to have one otherwise. I was upset when I went to the gynecologist and I had to have it done twice in one go because there was like someone in training. Oh so she God. did it first and then. My doctor comes in and does it all over. I'm like, what? No, this is horrible. Very strange. <laughs> they just observe her while she's doing it. Don't make me go through this again. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, weird. Is there? Do you have any questions? Because I have the fact accessible. Honestly, the one question I had was, what did they farm? <laughs> yeah, it's just like general. The only one hanging around for me. Produce, let me see if I can... Uh, let me tell you the topics, and you can tell me if there's anything specific that jumps out at you. Um, art, 
Babies and Children, Environmentalism, Activism, Revolution, Everyday Life, Governance and Hierarchy, Guns, Healthcare, Honesty, If You Have, lo- if you have a Loved One at Zendik, Language, Money Resources, Names, Population and Demographics, Psychic Phenomena, Selling, Sex relation- and Relationships, The Cult Question, and Work. Some of this we have discussed. But. The one that jumps out to me, what's the gun thing about? Um, so let's talk about guns. <laughs> Talking about guns. Yeah, it's just weird. Like, we did, I didn't hear any mention of them having guns. It's not a huge part of it, but... But a cult so should be armed. Do the Zendix have guns? Yes. Most of the adult male Zendix and some of the adult females possess firearms. Errol also owns a few rifles. None of these guns is used for hunting game. So why do they have them then? To defend themselves in the event of an attack. In my time at the farm, guns came into play twice that I know of. In spring 2000, Zoe, I don't know if it's pronounced Zoe or Zoe, who is short, escorted a much taller, stronger member off the farm at gunpoint after this member had attempted to pack a camera that may or may not have belonged to him. In summer 2004, a few of the higher-ranking Zendik men guarded the perimeter of the property with rifles after a neighbor's jealous ex-husband injured her and killed her boyfriend and then escaped into the woods. Wow. Um, So it's one of those things a lot of cults do usually. They are armed, but it doesn't seem like it really got out of hand here. Well, you never know Um, when the feds are going to show up. The next part of the gun question is, do you think they're the kind of cult that's likely to go postal or commit mass suicide? And she says, no, I don't. There's no provision in their cosmology for life after death. They have little to gain by killing themselves. I do, however, think Errol is capable of violence. She recently hit one of Fawn's ex-boyfriends on the head for something he said. Also, Zoe, her right-hand man in the firm's alpha male, has punched other members twice that I know of. So there's definitely violence, but she, at that time, obviously they're now defunct but right didn't see it getting to the point where like anyone other than the members are really at risk sure um was one thing uh, there was something i was gonna mention and now i forget what it was um let me look back at the topics because there was another one that jumped out at me oh as far as if you have a loved one at zendik farms she mentioned steve hassan Oh, this. really? Yeah. Um, Our cult programmer friend. Yeah. She mentions that if you have a loved one there, he might be someone to reach out to who could help you get them out. Uh, which I'm like, Steve Hassan, he's everywhere. He is. When, where there's a cult, there is a Steve Hassan nearby. Because <laughs> um, he's well revered for doing what he does. Yeah. Especially since he has the personal experience of having been in a cult. And he's just like a good dude. Just yeah. look up YouTube videos of Steve Hassan talking about stuff like sweetheart. Yeah, he really seems like it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's oh, so much, so much. Wow. I really suggest the book. That story of like the guy being escorted off the property because he stole a camera that was probably his to begin with is mentioned in the book, too. Oh, God. Um, read the book, if nothing else. It's $12 yeah. and it's actually well written. And Mating I think she deserves captivity. it. <laughs> Mating in Captivity. Yeah. A memoir. A memoir. The cover is actually really nice. Like, it looks really well done. Yeah, it does. It clearly, there was some money behind it. It wasn't, it's not a zine. It's like <laughs> right. a real book. It's not like uh, like a really uh, sort of like crummy self-published kind <laughs> of thing. It's a She clearly book. typed it yeah. with a computer. 
Yeah. And not like it's not handwritten and like gone through a <laughs> printing press. Yeah. <laughs> it's not accompanied by a weird political cartoon. She has embraced technology. It would appear so. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. That was fascinating. I never even it, heard of these people. Neither had I until my friend was like, wait a minute. I might have been in a cult. Yeah. Um, which, of course, I was like supremely interested in. wonder like where that happened. I don't know. I'm hoping she gets back to me and decides to share her personal encounter with them. Yeah. Um, if she does and says it's cool for me to talk about it on the podcast, I will update. If not, you know, whatevs. But I'd love to know that, too. I'd really love yeah. to know what the personal story is. Yeah. I, I'm trying in my head to, like, figure out where it would have been, but she's the kind of person who's who's lived a life. So she's yeah. been many different places and um, it could have been anywhere right. <laughs> or it could have been like a part of her past. I had no idea, like a place she went to that I didn't know. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully we'll find out and we'll talk about it, but um, I'm glad you enjoyed. This yeah. is endlessly interesting. It's like I feel like an anthropologist when yeah. I look into this stuff. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of like what you're doing. But it's this one. There's just so much, especially because it's not an active group anymore. It, more people have talked about it. There's also several articles about it that I read. One of the articles mentions Helen like they let a reporter in uh-huh. to write an article on them and. Helen posed a question to the group, basically told the group that she was trying to get pregnant and every dude she had slept with panicked, like had panicked looks on their faces. <laughs> um, and essentially yeah. the group talks her out of it. They're like, you're not ready to be pregnant. Wow. Um, and she left shortly after that. Apparently I haven't gotten to that point in the book. If she mentions it in there, I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just yeah, read the book or the the fact or anything you can find on it. The several articles, there's just so much. Yeah, you can find forum posts from like ten years ago of people being like, "Those damn Zendix, always trying to sell me shit on the street." <laughs> <laughs> people being like, "We're really, we were so relieved when they left Texas." Yeah, I bet. Like. Everywhere they've been, people are like, "Oh God!" Just can't imagine these people hawking their bullshit wares at like, like in the lot at a dead show. Like, leave me alone! I'm here to have a good time. I don't want to buy your stupid button. Yeah, it seems like DC, like their final place where they were, West Virginia, was not too far from DC. Yeah, and it seemed like a big place where they would go. And someone mentioned, like, even though there weren't that many Zendix, it seemed like no matter where you turned in DC, there they were. Yeah. So just kind of a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, there we are. Well, thank you for that. That was a very interesting and strange detour. Well, I hope the wait was worth it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I hope gosh. it was a good first episode back after our month unintentional month hiatus. It's really nice to be kicking off twenty nineteen. I haven't you know, <laughs> I, I I don't know like it's work, obviously, what we do here, mm-hmm. but I kind of don't know what I would do if we weren't doing it. I yeah. Mean, I'd be bored. Yeah. I was bored. <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not any less stressed if I don't do it. It's definitely an extra thing on my plate, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel less, significantly less stressed yeah. by not doing it. it. I was like it's more stressed, all bad. more stressed that it wasn't happening. So, 
Um, So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2019. Thank you. Um, uh, Next week, we will be back. We will be back to our regular schedule. Barring some kind of horrible tragedy, uh, we will be back next week. Christy gets pneumonia. (laughs) Christy gets pneumonia and Dave falls down the stairs. Oh no! I know. I feel so bad for my buddy. Just, he just like took a tumble down the stairs, Ugh. and now he's like laid up with a the pain mm. in his back. Yeah, it's horrible. So hopefully, 2019 doesn't kill us, and we will see you in another week with another goose chase. Goose chase. Thanks for being patient with us. Yes, thank you so much. You've been so nice and sweet, and you haven't said a peep about it. <laughs> really appreciate it. You wouldn't have I told you how pretty you all are. Oh, you're so pretty. You're handsome. Oh, you're the best. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> Uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 